verse 5. The Lord is exalted, for he dwells on high. He will fill Zion with justice and righteousness. He will be the sure foundation. Who here needs a sure foundation? He will be a sure foundation for your times. That means now. That means the present. That means right here and now. A rich store. Does a rich store ever run out? No. No. We can run into the storehouse of God, saints. That's his design. That's what he wants us to do. He will be a rich store of salvation. That means salvation in every area of your life. That doesn't mean just being born again. That means where you need it, he comes to you with salvation in his wings, with love in his arms. He'll enfold you, wrap his arms around you. Nothing we've ever done is beyond his love, and his love never runs out. It's endless. His compassions and his mercies never fail. He is a rich store. of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. Who here needs wisdom and knowledge? I need wisdom and knowledge. I need wisdom and knowledge. What's the key to this? The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. That means honoring him. That means blessing him. That means pleasing him. That means praising him. That means worshiping him. That means being in an intimate relationship with him. He loves you beyond your wildest imagination. And he holds nothing back. He holds nothing back. Psalm 34 9. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. Those who fear him lack nothing. And by the way, when it says saints, that's any born-again believer. That's any born-again believer. That's anyone who has confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior, period. For those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. And he is a good, good God. He only has good for you. He only has good for you. That even means his discipline is good for you. That even means when we do something wrong and we repent, The goodness of God is merciful, kind, forgiving, and loving, and it cleanses us from all unrighteousness. What does it mean to be cleansed? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Cleansing? Hey, saints, beloved, child of God, if there's anything in your heart right now that you're feeling angst about, just take it to the Lord. And say, Lord, 
Forgive me of that. And just let his cleansing wash over you. Just let it wash over you. Just let his peace and his rest and his love enter your heart and your soul and bring a rest that only he can give. Is your mind just a flutter? Is your mind just a flutter? Are the cares of the world things that have been holding you in bondage to anxiety? Is your mind a flutter? Let me come and quiet it. Let me come and quiet it. Just hand that thing over. And I will give you rest for your soul. Peace for your mind. And love to fill your heart. That will answer every question that you have. Hallelujah. 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 spoke to me and told me that this is the year of his wholeness. This is the year of his completeness. This is the year of fullness. This is the year where we can run into the rich store of his salvation and wisdom and understanding. That he is the sure foundation for your time. You don't need to have anxiety about anything going on around you in the world. Get your eyes off that and get your eyes on him. Get your eyes off that and get your eyes on him. Don't be tossed about by every prevailing circumstance in the world. But be steadfast in the love of the Lord. Be steadfast in his wisdom and his salvation and his understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to read that same verse in the Amplified. It says, there shall be a stability in your times an abundance of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. So, saints, it's not like he's just now pouring out completeness, wholeness, wellness in every area of your life. That's not, the, that's not what I was trying to imply at all. The windows of heaven are open to the believer. The fullness has already been poured out in Christ. That's why it says that we are the fullness of God. Wow, what a statement. Is that too good to be true? Is that more than your mind can imagine? Then just say, Holy Spirit, open up my mind. Open up my heart to the reality of who you are and what you have done for me. You've already said that I am the fullness of Christ. 
the fullness of God in Christ because of what Christ has done, because Christ took the keys of hell and the grave and death, and he was resurrected to sit at the right hand of the Father and put every enemy of the gospel under his feet, and he has given that authority to you. But there's something required of us, saints. And I'm going to give you the whole key of what I'm saying today, which I guess I shouldn't do at the beginning, but it is the intimacy that you are willing, into which you are willing to enter with him. Your intimacy with him will determine the level of the power that he has given you and your ability to walk, not the level of his power, but your ability to walk in that power. Zero intimacy, zero power. We are on this earth to know first his love for us and then to love him because you know what? If you know his love for you, you cannot help but love him with all the passion in your heart. Can't help it. Can't help it. No tide could keep you back. No tide of anger, no tide of unforgiveness, no tide of oppression, no tide of offense. Shout it out if you've got some I haven't named. <laughs> if there's a tide coming against you in your life, there is no tide that can hold back the ocean of his love for you. And when you understand that love for you, you cannot help but love him back. And that love will eradicate all difficulties in your life. And it doesn't mean that we're not warriors. I'm a warrior. I am a warrior. I am a warrior in this church. I am a warrior for every one of you in your lives. I am a warrior. I am a soldier in God's army. And you're soldiers too. But it's like we studied on New Year's Eve in Nehemiah. It said when the wall was almost done. Saying, are any of you in here at a point where the wall is almost completed? The goal, you see the vision, you see the end, and you're almost there. And the devil is saying, give up. And you're going to say, not on my ticket. Not on my ticket. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm going to complete it. I'm going to complete it because God's given you a job and you're going to finish and you're going to finish strong. I'm going to finish strong. You're going to finish strong. You, Christy. It does not matter what the devil has tried to convince you of or the ways in which that he has tried to pull at you. You, my woman, are going to finish strong. You will not be pulled away. That goes for you guys. That goes for every person in here. When the wall of Nehemiah 
was almost done. All hell broke loose. And what did he say? Get under my feet. My wall will be completed. My task will be done. And what did they do? There were still openings in the wall. There were still places where it had to be built up. And what did he do? He, they worked. They worked with one hand and they held the sword in the other. They worked with one hand and they held the sword in the other. You see, saints, we're lovers because God is the lover of our souls. We're lovers. But life is not all about love. Well, it is. It actually is. Because it's only the love of God that will arm your cannon. But it doesn't mean that there isn't a time to fight. It doesn't mean that there isn't a time to fight to receive what God has already destined for you to do. To receive the fullness of everything that he has already poured out for you because of the love of Christ. tell us he's a salvation he is a rich store of salvation wisdom and understanding the fear of the Lord is the key to this so what do we want first we want wisdom we want wisdom in the Lord we want to seek after the wisdom of the Lord I want to show you some things that wisdom is going to do for you when we fear him, when we fear him, when we fear him. Isaiah 119, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. I want to eat the good things of the land, and I know you do too. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. The mouth of the Lord has spoken this. Okay, does that mean that every time you make a mistake, you're going to be devoured? Absolutely not. That's not what that means. Because it says if you're willing and obedient, it doesn't mean that you have to be perfect. Amen. It means that you have to be willing. Right. He looks at your heart. He looks at the willingness of your heart. It doesn't mean you won't make mistakes. You see, but he tells, you know why he tells us that? He tells us that so that we can understand sometimes when things happen, it's because we've moved away from him. He never moves out. You see, he doesn't have to move away because we can walk in his wisdom all the time. Proverbs 14, 26, whoever fears the Lord has a secure fortress. He is my secure fortress. And guess, what about this? For your children, it will be a refuge. How many people in here want a refuge for their children? The honor, the respect, the worship of the Lord is the key. 
if you want to secure fortress for your children. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, untouched by trouble. Wow, these promises are amazing, but you know what? I'm going to believe God at his word. I'm going to believe God at his word. If it says I will be untouched by trouble, I'm going to believe it. And I'm not going to take my eyes and get them on all the stuff that's going on in the world and start confessing a bunch of junk in my life because I'm not going to receive that. And I am not going to be troubled by the things that are going on in the world around me. Does it mean that trouble and trial doesn't come? No. Because we live in a fallen world. He says that he always gives us that way out from every temptation. When our feet are on the rock, when our feet are on the rock, when our feet are on the rock, and the floods come and they, they can't chip away at that foundation. They can't come in and chip that foundation out from under you when your feet are on the rock. So it doesn't mean that the waves won't try. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be trouble. But my scripture, my loving father, tells me that it's not going to touch me. And I just happen to believe him. And you know what? I'm here to help you believe. I'm here to help you believe. Because we're all going to have times of trouble. And you got a friend in me, saints. <laughs> you got a friend in me. And you know what? You know why? Because it's not even me. <laughs> it's not even me. It's my loving Father working through me. And you're going to be the same to the people around you in the end times when there's going to be trouble. And this house is going to be a house of salvation. This house is going to be a rich store of salvation and wisdom and understanding. And you are going to be a secure fortress for those around you who need help because they will run to you and you will give them the wisdom of the Lord because you have been trained up in how to stand on God's mighty word. Because you have been trained. You have discipled yourself. Why have we spent two years, two whole years about talking about how much God loves us? How much God loves you, Carrie? Why? Why? Why have I stood in the pulpit some days and thought, you know what, they've already heard this. They've already heard it. They've already heard it. They've already heard it. Because our hearts can never be saturated enough with the love of God. Never. Never, 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 never. Never. It is his love that saves us. It is his love that disciples us. It is his love that says... Come on, my child. I've got you in the palm of my hand. I've got you right here. And I'm just hearing this by the quickening of the Holy Spirit. 
I am no Hebrew scholar. So please, don't criticize me on this. But the numbers and letters of the Hebrew alphabet, you see, there are symbols for different numbers. And 2020 is two hands. It's two hands. And there are probably a lot of predictions about what that means. Probably. And I haven't heard them all, and I don't know them. But you know what it speaks to me? Two hands. And a loving father. And he's going to hold us. In the palm of his hand. In his love. And we're not going to be able to help but pour out our love to him and worship him and honor him and bless him and seek his presence and seek intimacy with him because in intimacy comes every bit of power. Every bit that the Holy Spirit came. Jesus said we would do better works than he did. Not better, greater. Pardon me. That we would do greater works. Yeah, boy. That's for me. You got it then. You see, you got it then. You're willing to accept it. You're willing to choose it. You see, we have to choose this. He's already poured it out. His fullness is here. We're not waiting on the glory. His fullness is here. His perfection is here. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. Jesus came to give us the glory that the Father gave him. John 17, something, right? We are co-inheritors with Christ, and it's time that we understand it. It's time that we understand it. And it's because he loves you, and it's because he needs you to love other people so that you can get his love to them, so that they can come into the kingdom. Hallelujah. So I told you here, I told you, I told you I was going to talk about somebody. But here, before I do that, I want to say Isaiah 33, 6, in the Rotherham, the emphasize. It says, so shall a wealth of deliverances. Think about that. A wealth of deliverances, wisdom and knowledge become the stability of thy times. Those are the deliverances of the Lord, the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So what are we going to be after? We're going to be after knowledge of the Holy One. Isaiah 48.17, this is King James. Thus said the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God, which teaches you to profit and which leads you by the way that you should go. His spirit is always talking to the born-again spirit. The minute you are born again, 
the very nature and character of God infuses your spirit. You are changed into a new creation. The old has passed away. You are a new creation. The spirit of the Father, the Holy Spirit, testifies with your spirit that you are his children. He's ever speaking to you. There is no one who is born again that cannot hear from God. Saints, when you get a hold of this next scripture, you are going to walk in a new way. At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, where the paths meet, she Wisdom takes her stand. Where the paths meet, we have been promised the wisdom of God. He will be a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge to us. That's your word for 2020. Where the paths meet, she takes her stand. What does that mean? Have y'all gone, have y'all been in places where you're at a crossroads and you're like, wow, I'm sorry, Lord, I, I don't know which way to go. Have you ever been there? When we seek the good counsel of the Lord, it says, he counsels us with his loving eye toward us. His loving eye. He's got a loving eye on you. So when you're at that crossroads, you will have the wisdom of God. He's promising a rich store of wisdom. You will have it, and wisdom will take its stand. So when the world is telling you to go one way, and that's awfully tempting, and then the Spirit comes and tells you to go another way, wisdom takes the stand, and it stands on the Word. It says wisdom takes her stand, and I will not be moved. I will stand. I will follow the word. I will listen to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit always confirms Jesus Christ, which is the living word. And wisdom for me will help me take a stand. And I will know which way to go. Thank you, Lord. Does anybody else here like that scripture? It's a promise. It's a promise. Every word he speaks is a promise unto us, saints. It's not just a, well, maybe. It's a promise. Hallelujah. So the only way to stand is to get God's wisdom, and he's telling us that we can get his wisdom. We are not going to be moved by what we see or feel, but only by the Spirit of God. Only by the Spirit of God. I'm declaring that over each one of you. No matter what the circumstances are, we will take the word, we will apply it. We will take the wisdom of God and we will not be drawn away. Hallelujah. Proverbs 4.20 
pay attention to God's word because it is the key to your blessing. This is wisdom. We're all getting wisdom today. My son and daughter, I'm adding that and daughter, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. You know, 2020 is perfect sight, right? And what's going to make your sight perfect? What's going to make your sight perfect? The Word of God. With revelation knowledge, the Holy Spirit reveals deeper and deeper levels of the Word to you in your life. As you spend time with Him, as you feast on His Word, as you get into His presence, Hallelujah. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. What must we have to guard our heart? We must have the word deeply rooted. Deeply rooted. So that nobody can come and dig up our well. Fill in our well. It flows with the spirit and revelation of the word. So saints, you see, God is always, always, always after us with his heart. He's always after you with his heart. He desires, his heart aches for relationship with us. His heart aches for relationship with us. Every single person in here, every single person ever born was intended, is intended to have a personal relationship with him, a loving, kind, good, merciful, forgiving relationship to know that that is a part of his love for us. Why is that so important? Because saints, when we understand his love for us and we open our hearts and let that in and let that just wash, over us. Think about that. Think about if you know someone, which none of us do. None of us do. None of us know one single person who is unconditional in their love for us. Only the Father, the Son Jesus, the Holy Spirit. Only. And see, we, we look at these other relationships and we, we, we have a hard time letting our hearts and our minds soar above them. We have a hard time putting those barriers down that have been built because of bad relationships. You see, but if we understand that the, how the Lord loves us, we can let all those barriers fall down. We can just let him in and trust him. If we understand how unconditional how never-ending his love is for us, no matter what we've ever done, no matter what we've ever done. See, that's what allows us to repent. That's what allows us to go back to him. 
That's what allows us to trust him. And then when we trust him, we can truly love him back. We can love him back. And that's how we enter into intimate relationship with him. And then when we enter that intimate relationship with him, and he's, he's, you know, he's always talking, but now we're hearing. We're hearing now. Without these tainted issues in between us. See? And then once we can do that, we become vessels of his love to other people. And then he accomplishes what he wants through us in this world, in this hurting world, hurting world, faith, hurting world. Hallelujah. So I told you earlier, I said, I'm going to go to a life. And we're going to look at David. And you know what? David made a whole lot of mistakes. David did a whole lot of awful things. But there were three things about David that we can all take into our lives and learn from. And the first thing is that David knew the love and the mercy of God. David knew the love and the mercy of God. I'm going to go to Psalm 51, the first verse. And this was when this was when the prophet Nathan came to him and David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Do you know adultery is forgivable? Okay, guys. Does it make it right? No, no sin is ever right and no sin is worse than another sin. There are all types of sin. Sin is sin, sin is wrong. But when we take it back to the Lord, we have a forgiving God. And see, David understood this. And as a result of that, he could enter in to the love of God. Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. You see that? Do you see He knew that the mercy was because God loved him. Unfailing. Unfailing. According to your great compassion. You see, he understood the character of God. He didn't base his knowledge of God on the character of people. He knew the character of God, and he knew God was for him even when he messed up. I would love for every single one of you to read this whole psalm. It's a really long psalm, but I think you ought to go home and read it. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me. That's what I was talking about earlier. When you take it back to him, you are cleansed. He forgets about it. You would have to remind him of it. Your sin is as far as the east is from the west. 
He forgets the iniquity and cleanses you. Cleanse, clean, pure, holy, righteous. So quit reminding yourselves. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, only you, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Cleanse me with hyssop down at seven and I will be clean. I'm going to receive it, in other words, saints. You've got to receive it. He already did it. Jesus with the blood. The blood of Jesus has already cleansed you. He took on every sin. He became every sin. You're cleansed by the blood when you're a believer. Now you've got to receive it. The second thing he knew, the second thing David knew, is he knew how to worship. He knew how to worship. He knew how to enter into the Holy of Holies with the praises of God. He loved his Lord. And he knew that intimacy was something that he could have. He knew that it was important, and he knew he could have it. He knew how to be intimate with the Lord. Acts 13, 22, after removing Saul, he made David their king. God testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. I want to clear up something about that scripture. Does that scripture says that David will never do anything I don't want him to do? Nope. It didn't say that. It didn't say David would never make a mistake. It didn't say David would never displease the Lord. But it says he will do everything I want him to do. You see, David would come back every time, every time every time and he completed the mission of God in his life he walked in victory he walked in victory because he didn't sit around and condemn himself he knew the mercy and forgiveness of God and he worshipped he worshipped why do we worship why do we worship? Because if you don't do it anywhere else, saints, you're going to come and do it here. Am I a meanie? Because it's an opportunity. It is an opportunity to enter his courts with praise and to feel his love being poured back unto us. Because when you worship, you cannot help but feel the love of God being poured out upon you. Hallelujah. David would dance. David would dance before the Lord in worship.
in worship. 2 Samuel 6, 14. Wearing linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. Abandoned. Abandoned unto worship. He was dancing before the Lord with all his might. While he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. Don't you know that there are always going to be those standing by criticizing you? They're going to be standing by peering at you from their window of criticism. And the minute you do one little thing, they're going to come out and say, I knew you weren't true. I knew you had a problem. Well, who doesn't? Who doesn't have a problem in their life? It is time to get the criticism out of your hearts and out of your mouths. If you've got a problem with someone, you walk up to them and you do it one-on-one and you say, I want to encourage you, brother. Are we supposed to encourage one another in the word? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. But instead of taking a dart of hate, we will take the arms of love and we will go and we will say, I kind of see this in your life, and you know what? I want to give you the word, and I want to encourage you, and I want to lift you up. What does it say that we are supposed to do with the word? We are supposed to edify one another. And I will edify you, sister, and I will say, you are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You. And I will lift you up where you were weak. Because you know what? That's what God does. What does he tell us? He says that in our weakness, he is made strong. He's not afraid of your weakness. Don't be afraid of your weakness. Be real about your weakness. Take it back to him and say, God, I'm weak in this area, but you are strong for me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. That's what God is telling us. Hallelujah. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in in her heart. You know what they're despising? They're despising your relationship with the Lord. And they're sorry that that's not where they are. And the problem is, they don't have to be sorry about that because there's something they can do about it. They can enter in. He came that none should perish. He loves everyone equally. So what are you going to do when people despise you and your relationship with the Lord? When David returned home to bless his household, verse 20, Michelle, 
daughter of Saul came out to meet him and said, how the kingdom of Israel has distinguished himself today. A little sarcasm there, isn't it? A little bit of sarcasm. Wow, you're a king? You didn't act like one. Yeah, well, how's a king supposed to act? Did Jesus act the way that everybody thought he should act? Was he ashamed of the Father? No. He was tortured because he refused to fall in line with the expectation of the day. And he clung to his Father. And we will cling to our Father How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half-naked, in full view of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. You are kingly. You're acting like a vulgar fellow. Well, you know what? If I worship the Lord and somebody thinks it's vulgar, I don't care. I don't care. I don't care at all. And if people come, and I'm not talking to anyone in particular here, and I'm not their cup of tea, it's okay with me. I'm not going to be everybody's cup of tea. Sometimes I'm not even my own cup of tea. What I do care about, what I do care about is that people know the love of the Lord, that he is for them, and that we will stand strong in the end times, that we will not be moved off the word, because it does say in the end times that the devil will parade as light. And that's not going to happen to people here. Because we are going to listen to the Holy Spirit. And we will stand and not be moved off the word of God. We will speak of his love. We will speak of his truth. We will worship him. So you see, David was dancing half naked. He just basically sort of like threw two sheets to the wind. Are you all too young to understand that concept? Does anybody ever remember hearing that? He didn't care if he was prim and proper. He cared if he was honoring his God. And I'll tell you what, if they were bringing the ark into my city, I think I'd be doing some dancing too. And this probably isn't the most scriptural way to put it, but the ark is in your city. The windows of heaven are open to you. And I will rejoice about that. I will rejoice. David said to Michelle, okay, here's the response. This is the response that we need to have. David said to Michelle, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father. You are chosen. You are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. You have been chosen because you have chosen him. 
It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people, Israel. If the Lord has given you a job, do not be discouraged. He has chosen you. He has placed you there. And no one can rip it from your hands. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. You got a problem with that? I'm going to become even more undignified. Not because I just think being undignified is cool, but because I have so much love pouring out of my heart that I don't really care what anybody thinks. And I've come here to share his kingdom. I will become even more undignified than this and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. In my own eyes even, I'm humiliating myself. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michelle, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. You see, you get so worried. You get so anxious when you're entering into his courts with praise to honor him. You get so worried. Not you. I'm not confessing that over the you. I'm using the generic you people. And what does God do in the end? The very ones that you thought would think that you were dishonorable, honor you. But that's because of the Lord. Because when you are willing and obedient and you eat the good of the land and you praise him with all your heart, he will lift you up. Not of your own doing, his doing. His doing. Let's go to Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, first verse, 42, 1. Psalm 42, 1. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Anytime you want, saints. Anytime you want. He's waiting. His own arms are open. His heart loves you. Your heart does not have to condemn you. No. Go boldly before him. Go boldly into his presence. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. Hallelujah. What's the third thing? What's the third thing that David knew? David knew he had the battle. He knew he had the battle. He knew God loved him. He knew he had to enter the presence of God and worship but he knew he had to battle. 
2 Samuel 5. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, you're anointed king over, over something that God wants you to do. Every single one in here, every single one in here, you are anointed as king of something that God has for you to do. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force. The devil will come at you at full force, like I was saying earlier, when the wall was almost completed and there were a few holes in the wall, the devil attacked, the enemy attacked. Don't ever, here's the deal, it's never a person, it's a spirit. Don't ever hate on a person that's coming against you. Ask the Lord for the spirit that's motivating that and go to war in prayer against that spirit, but not the person. Not the person. Ever. You love people. They went up in full force to search for him, but David heard about it. Wisdom. Wisdom, knowledge. Is that what we were talking about earlier? See, God gives. And went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord. You see, he consulted the Lord. You must consult the Lord if you want to receive the victory that he has already put in place for you. He never gave you a dream that Satan can defeat. Never. He has never given you a plan that Satan can rip from your hands. But we have a job. We need to consult him. He's a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. It's poured out. We just seek it. We seek it. David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered him, go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So David went to Baal, Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, as the waters break out, The Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. Thank you, Jesus. I know that's Old Testament, but we're living in the New Testament, so we're saying thank you, Jesus, (laughs) for what you've done, for the victory you've won, for the redemption that is mine. As the waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal Perazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. Every worldly idol. Let the word of God carry him out of your life. Be willing. Be willing to let the word of the Lord carry him out of your life. Be willing. 
I didn't say perfect, did I? I said willing. Once more the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. David inquired of the Lord. And he answered, do not go straight up. See there? See there? He's giving him a plan. Do not go straight up. But circle around behind them and tack them in front of the poplar's trees. Do you understand how specific God is being? Do you understand how specific he will be in your life and if you inquire of him? Specific. He said, go in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, what's that? That's got to be supernatural, marching in the top of poplar trees. Who marches in the top of poplar trees? Angels. That's why we say it's supernatural, right? Do you think God dispatches angels on your behalf? Yes. More are those that are with me than those that are with them. David inquired of the Lord, and he answered, Do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move quickly. Because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded him, and he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. Sounds pretty complete to me. Sounds pretty complete. No little remnants waiting to come and mess you up. No little weasels left. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. But here's the key, saints. You can know the love, right? You want to know the love. You want to know the love. I want to seek intimacy and worship my Father. What's number three? I want to fight. I'm going to war. I'm a warrior. I'm a warrior. And in my old age, my young age, wherever I am right now, the Lord's teaching me more about love and less about fights. I've always been a warrior. But you know what? That's where the gospel has really been divided. And it shouldn't be divided because they go together. The loving and the warrior, war, war, warring, okay? Because a soldier, a soldier doesn't go to war unequipped, does he? Are we soldiers in the army of God? Are we? Remember that little kid's song? I'm a soldier in the army of God. So yeah, do we go unequipped? No. 
as a soldier, we take our cannon. We don't leave our cannon sitting at home. And what is that with which our cannon is loaded? What is that with which our cannon is loaded? We have the cannon. We have the word. We have the Holy Spirit revealing it. We have the armor of God, and I'm not going to go into the whole lesson of the armor of God. If you want to read about that, go to Ephesians 6, okay? So we have the word. We have the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit revelation. But we got to load the cannon with our intimacy with God. That's how we load it. So you want a loaded cannon? Spend time in the presence of God. Don't go out ahead of him. He'll tell you what to do. He'll tell you how to move the cannon. He'll tell you where to aim the cannon. But it's all, all of it, every bit of it, is based on the level of our intimacy with God. Our desire to be in fellowship with him. Our desire to know his love. Our desire to love him back. Our desire to give that unconditional love to others. That's how we load our cannons. That's what makes us effective. Like I said before, zero intimacy, zero power. You see, Jesus died to give us power and authority. We have the power and authority of Christ. We are his ambassadors. We are his agents here on this earth. The name of Jesus is above every other name, no matter what it looks like. And who is Jesus but the living word of God? The word is alive and active, penetrating to the dividing of soul and spirit. I want to know the difference between the world and the spirit. And God has promised me a way to do it. And I'm going to load my cannons. I'm going to be a warrior, but it's going to come out of the intimacy that I have with God. And the Holy Spirit will manifest in my life and speak to me and bring me the rich store of salvation and wisdom and understanding. But it is because I have chosen to be in intimate relationship with Jesus, to be in intimate relationship with my Father. And to listen to the agent that he gave us here on the earth. The Holy Spirit. So what did I go over today? Three things. We have to know the Father's love. We have to develop intimacy. Seek it. As the deer pants after the water, so will my soul pant after you, O God. Know his love for us. Enter into his presence and fight. Fight. 
God has given it to you, don't let anybody take it. You fight. You be a warrior. You work with one hand. You hold your sword in the other. You allow the love of of God, your intimacy with the Father, his presence in your life, to be that which loads your cannon. You get that? Do we get it? Okay. Isaiah 36, I'm going to go back. He will be a sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Oh, Lord, you are my treasure. Oh, Lord, I thank you that every promise in your word is true. And oh, Lord, help me to seek your presence above all else in my life. I thank you for your love for me. Help me to enter deeper and deeper and deeper into an expression of my love for you so that people around me will see the same and be changed and that you will be glorified. In Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. So now I'm going to go ahead and accept your offerings unto the Lord and say,